was thinking and uh, felt impressed to do something today. And, um, I have a very special word, actually two words. Um, Pastor, will you please come up here? So like I said, I feel impressed. I had to really praise the Lord. Pastor, if you would come stand out here. Can you say happy birthday to our pastor? His birthday is Tuesday. He'll be 40 years old. Oh, there goes one. He'll be 39. He'll be 39. Put, yeah, put him right here. Go ahead. Happy birthday. Let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday. Time. Now let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Have you come to bless the Lord? Have you come to lift him up? Let's sing to the Lord today, church. <laughs> He'll get to preach with all the balloons in front of him. <laughs> Lord, we lift you up today. We magnify you, O God. We glorify you. We thank you for your blessings on us, Lord. Oh, we lift you up. Let's sing to the Lord.
worship and adore you, O Lord Jesus. We magnify your holy name, O God. And you are here in our midst, O God. Would you say where two or three, two or three are gathered in your name, Lord Jesus? Yeah, you would be in the midst, O God. Now we worship you and bless you and long for you to have your way in this place, O God. And in our lives, O God, that you would be glorified.
stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop.
is everybody doing this morning? I'm going to move these higher ones here. Did anybody see the kid that busted the balloon? Anybody? Zane did it. All right, Zane is my new favorite kid because I'm still 39 and I'm proud of it. That's right. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. God bless you today is our prayer. Today I want to get into the word. I, um, I kind of had this on my mind this week because I feel like, I feel like we need an um, uplifting word, something that will encourage us. Uh, how many of you know we're living in dark times? Anybody, anybody notice lately? Anybody watch the news lately? Needless to say, you have, and you can agree with me, that we're, we're living in the end times. There's not a doubt. There's not a question. Um, I know that in the Bible, Peter told us, he said there was going to come a time that people were going to say, where is the promise of his coming? Since our forefathers slept, we've been looking for his coming. He's still not here. Where is he? But I'm telling you, the prophecies that are being fulfilled before our very eyes right now, something is shifting in the air. When you hear of Russia and they're moving nuclear-capable um, missiles to Belarus and you hear of Iran wanting to take Israel out and all these things that are going on, I know there have been constant battles. When you hear Rocket Man over there talking about shooting a, a missile and talking about how he's practiced and there's many missiles they have that are capable of carrying nuclear bombs. Many scholars teach us that in the end time that the, the, the last day war will be a nuclear war like we've never seen before. It would destroy everything when the third of the earth is destroyed, population is taken out. No doubt a nuclear bomb would be able to do that. We are on the precipice. We are on the brink of something happening in this world. If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 14 is where I want to go, or 13 rather, is where I want to go this morning. It is a simple scripture. It simply says this, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. It is very simple. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Finishing well and finishing strong is an admirable goal that any Christian should have today. When Jesus returned to the work that he had done, he says, or referred to the work that he was going to do, he said the Father had sent him not just to start a work, but to finish a work. When we read of the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles in all the Bible, he tells us, he said, I have finished my course, right? I have finished the race. I have ran it well. And he encouraged us that we too should finish this race. And we were going to have to do it by patience and enduring to be able to make it to the end of this race. That only with patient endurance would we be able to make it. It's like a wise man once said on one occasion. He said, you may be impressive for what you start, but you will be remembered for what you actually finish. It is one thing to start the journey, right? It is another thing to actually finish. There's a lot of people that have good intentions and they start out serving Jesus and they start out strong, but over the course of time they begin to fall out of love with Jesus and fall away from Christ and they don't make it to the end. There's a story of a tortoise and a hare. Has anybody ever heard it? How many of you feel like a tortoise today? 
Your bones are aching. You're a little slower than you used to be. Don't lose hope because the, the, the tortoise beat the hare. The tortoise, let's, let's do it in layman's terms so the kids can understand. The turtle beat the rabbit. Do you know how the turtle did it? Because he simply endured to the end. He didn't go too hard. He didn't go too fast. He was simply consistent and he was remembered. We wrote about him in books because of what he finished, not what he started. Today in the end time, we find ourselves, I believe, in the middle of a Matthew 24. When we hear of roars and of, of rumor of wars and pestilence and famine and spiritual apathy. He said apostasy was going to fill our land. And lukewarmness in the church was going to characterize the times that we live in known as the end time. A matter of fact, the Bible told us that in the end times there are those that are not going to endure. There are those that are not going to finish. For he said many are going to fall by the wayside. Do you know that pastors across America today, many of them are resigning? Do you know that in the year 2022 alone, that when they were surveyed, and said, have you thought about quitting this year? Do you know 42% of them said, I'm thinking about resigning. Now considering that's what I do for a living, that is, that's mind-boggling to me. 42%, that is almost half of the pastors that grace support. Why did they feel that way? I believe it's because of the end time pressure that is on us. It is where if you say the wrong thing, people get offended. If you, if, you, if you don't say it the right way, people get offended. If you deal with too many hot topics, you may in, end up in a lawsuit in the church now because now it's hate speech. This is the world that we live in, and this is the pressure that we are under. And 42% said they wanted to quit. Around 5,000 churches just last year shut their doors that is protestant churches that shut their doors they are falling by the wayside but i say to you today it is still possible to finish this race with the victory of jesus christ you can say amen because you too can finish this race you do not have to give up you do not have to quit you do not have to be cast by the wayside you are going to be able to make it to the end do you believe that today now, when I read about Tyra, I was reading about them this morning, the seven churches. There's one thing that God said. He said, I see your love, I see your faith, and I see your patient endurance. He said, hold on until I come. What an encouraging word for the church. He said, the Sardis, a church that was half dead. He says to them, he said, there's a few things that are alive in you. He said, just strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. So today I've got six strategies for end time endurance that I want to pour into your spirit and I believe God wants you to hear it today, all right? Now the good thing is this, if I get really, really quick and go through this fast and I get on number four and you look over the honey, he's only got two more to, to go, we can eat dinner early, lunch early today. If I take too much time on two, you're gonna be saying, oh my gosh, we got four more of these to deal with. 
So I'm going to try, since I'm giving you my points, I'm going to try to do it in a timely fashion. Are you ready for the word? Point number one, never make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstance is the first strategy I want to give you. There is nothing in this life that remains the same, all right? Your body don't remain the same. I, I am learning that every year that I age, I'm learning. I'm not who I used to be. We're out there playing softball yesterday, and David's a little older than me. I wish he was here because I'd pick on him too. He's about 46 or so, and, and he told me, he said, Pastor, you got to stretch before you start. That's the secret. I said, thank you for the old man tip. I appreciate that. I'll stretch. I'll feel better. You learn these things. You learn that nothing stays the same. It is ever-changing. This world does not stay the same. That brand new car that you bought 15 years ago that you think is the most awesome thing in the world, it's not anymore. You may think it is, but it's not. It's not the same. It is ever-changing. The paint is getting a little thinner. The motor's getting a little more knocky and making sounds that it should not be making. But there is one thing that remains the same, and I can tell you this of certainty, and it is the promises of Almighty God. But in our lives, we make these, these, these life-altering decisions based on fleeting emotions, our feelings, our things that we are dealing with. They are linked to circumstances, are things that are constantly changing. We get so caught up in the moment that we forget change is coming. We forget it will not stay this way forever. I'm telling you, it came to pass. That baby that cries, yeah, it's going to pass. But I got news for you. They keep crying. It just sounds different. <laughs> but this too shall pass. What I'm telling you is everything that happens in your life, you have to remember, it will not stay this way forever. Do not make permanent decisions because of a temporary circumstance. The purpose and the will of God are often clouded by circumstances in our life. And we fail to remember that this great, awesome God that we serve, He knows the end from the beginning because His vantage point is greater than ours. What is the vantage point? That means where he is looking from. He is looking from up above. How many of you know that when you've got an aerial view, you can see things better? Y'all ever see these little drones? They go up, and the reason they go up is because they can get a better view from up there than I can from down here. It sees more. And that is the way our awesome God is. He is way up here in heaven. And we are way down, down here on earth. And what he sees is things that we cannot see. And so when I'm sitting here saying, oh my gosh, all I see is despair. All I see is discouragement and anguish and woe is me. There's a God above that's saying, I've been looking down. And there's a little stream over yonder. You thirsty in your soul. But there's a blessing, springs of living water that you're about to run into if you'll just hold on a little bit longer. This is the God that we serve, ladies and gentlemen. He sees things we cannot see. In Isaiah 46, let me show you this. This is a powerful scripture. He said, remember the former things of old, for I am God. Isn't that powerful? And there is no other. Just in case you didn't catch it, 
God told Isaiah, write it one more time and let's emphasize it a little harder. I am God and there is none like me. Because I declare the end from the beginning. And from verse 10, and I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. That means prophecy, things you cannot see. I'm already seeing them. My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. This is the God that we serve. He declares the end from the beginning. If we could just grab that today, we would understand. Just hold on. Don't make a decision yet. Just wait on God. The answer is on the way. He's going to cancel you. He's going to direct you. He sees things you cannot see. He knows the ending from the beginning relax but the bottom line is this that sometimes our circumstances contradict the purpose and plan of God in our life what does that mean the word contradict means contrary that means the circumstances are contrary to God's plan they are opposite to God's plan but can I say to you today God never promised that if we served him it was going to be a bed of roses God never told us that if we served him, we would never go through trouble. God never told us that if we would just serve him, we would never go through depression. Don't everybody shout at once. He never told us that we wouldn't get sick. A matter of fact, Job told us, he said that it seems like to me, and he went through more than any of us ever will. But he says it seems like to me that man has a few days, but his life is full of trouble. But look at Romans chapter 8. Put that verse up there because you need to see this. You know it, but I'm going to read it again. The Bible said, and we what? We know that all things, not some things, not half the time, everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. How many of you in this house have ever been through some bad things and you look back now and you say to yourself, thank God I went through it. It made me grow. I learned something from that. I'm a better pastor because of it. I'm a better worker because of it. I'm a better boss because of it. All because I went through it. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Hold on. Don't make crazy decisions just because of a little circumstance in your life. God knows what's happening. Let him do what he does and be God. Secondly, never allow your memories to become greater than your dreams. God help us to not do this. The past is always more comfortable than a challenging future. But I'll tell you, it is not nearly as exciting. Woo! Don't y'all just love the darkness when you don't know where you're stepping, but you just keep on walking anyhow? Why do I like the past? Why is the past comfortable to me? The past is comfortable me, to me because it is familiar to me. We know exactly what to expect when we live in the past. Right? We know exactly because why? Because our memories, it's the same results. That's why when you go to your Mexican restaurant, they say, all right, you have the beef burrito and the rice, side of rice. All right, we got that for you. You go there so much and you order the same thing every time you go. You know why you do that? You, you like it and you're comfortable with it because you know you've ate it before 
if it was good before, it's going to be good again. But wouldn't it be so much more exciting if you would go and they'd say, so you had the beef, and you're like, blah, 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 blah. no, I don't think I'm going to have the beef burrito today. I'm going to have the chicken burrito. Isn't it going to feel great when you go outside your comfort zone? I'm telling you, it is always easier to look back. I Israel did it. They looked back to Egypt while pressing forward to Canaan. Why did they do it? Moses and God are saying to them, they felt more comfortable in Egypt. Because here they are about to starve on the way to Canaan. They're in a wilderness because of their disobedience. It's their own fault they're in the, in the circumstance they're in. And they're sitting here saying, Hey, if we go back to Egypt, we remember in Egypt we had onions and we had leeks and we, we had all this food to eat. If we would go back to Egypt, we could eat good. Why are we going to die in this wilderness? But Moses and God is sitting there saying to them, Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, it is so much better in Canaan than it is in Egypt. In Egypt, you live in bondage. In Egypt, you're in slavery. But when you get to Canaan, my goodness, there's milk and honey flowing. When you get to Canaan, there's grapes so big that two men have to carry the clusters together. My goodness, why would you want to go back to the past? Instead of moving into your future. Even with this wilderness closing in around you. Never forget the promise of God. I want to read one more scripture. Jeremiah 29 11. You know this one too. For I know. I love that word know. It's so, so much certainty in that. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. He says, I'm going to give you a future and I'm going to give you a hope. The fact is that God is already in your tomorrow and he cannot wait for you to get there. I said, God is already in your tomorrow. He just is waiting for you to show up. Because when you show up, you're going to realize, my goodness, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever seen. But there are so many that will never get there because they allow their memories of what used to be to be greater than the dream of pressing forward and getting there. Never let go of your dreams. Number three, you remember that some things are meant they are not meant to be conquered. They are simply meant to be survived. I got a winner's mentality. Anybody else in the house got that? Anybody in the house competitive and you just want to win? That's me. Yes, if I have to go to the hospital because I dove for a ball, take me to the hospital, honey. You think I had signed a hundred million five-year contract. But I have a winning mentality. However, there have been occasions and seasons in my life that were not so much about my triumph as it was my endurance. It wasn't about me getting a victory lap or a victory dance as it was about me just surviving, just making it through. I, I, I read a quote one time of a man. He said, my father came through the Great Depression, joined the Navy at 15 years old. They could join younger back then. He sailed on a hospital evacuation ship that was destroyed a month after his military discharge, but he survived. He, with his mom, reared five children, worked a full-time job, and pastored a church, but he survived. He suffered a heart attack and even a bout with cancer, but he still survived. And he would tell you that in his endurance, he gained trust, patience, and character that has become his calling card. There's some things we simply have to 
to survive. This is what James said in James 1. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall in the various trials because you know that your testing of faith is going to produce patience and patience is going to make you a better person. You will lack nothing when you get to the end of this thing because you would have grown so much. Israel learned that a wilderness experience is usually about getting Egypt out of your life so you can flourish in caning, in surviving life's difficult seasons. We have allowed God to process us to the point that his grace and character can be seen in us. It is when God is using us during these seasons that we feel like we cannot make it, but we keep on fighting and we, we keep on preaching and we, and we keep on singing and we keep on doing the best that we can. It is what he told the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said, therefore, I am going to boast in my infirmities. I am going to boast in my troubles. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs in persecution for Christ. Sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. I'm a survivor, folks. Is there anybody in the house? How many survivors do I have in the house? that are still here today how many are in this house that you had cancer but guess what honey you made it through it and you are still surviving how many in here you lost your job but guess what God gave you another one and it's better than it was before a broken marriage but guess what God did in his grace and mercy in your weakness he was strong and he put your family back together if there's a survivor in the house you ought to give God praise right now that you've made it through I gotta I gotta go point number four I'm doing pretty good I'm only at 21 minutes let's roll <laughs> point number four don't forget your appointment with destiny this is so good that God has a moment in time I do believe this I really do that God has a moment in time that is reserved for each of us. And I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to miss my destiny. There's some of you in this house that God's got you. Some of you may be saying, man, I don't know why God put me here. I can't figure this thing out. I'm telling you, if you'll just patiently endure, and if you'll just be faithful to God, I am telling you right now, your time is coming. D.L. Moody, who was a great, one of the greatest preachers of his generation, used to go to the shoe store every day. He wanted to get a pair of shoes. Didn't have the money to buy the shoes. But there was a guy in there that finally just gave him the pair. He said, you know, kid, because he wasn't, was poor, didn't have much money. You know what, kid? He said, come on back tomorrow. We're going to fit you up. I'm going to give you some shoes. I'm, I'm going to make, come back tomorrow after school. And when he come back, he shared Jesus Christ with him. Gave D.L. Moody a pair of shoes. Told him he was a Sunday school teacher. 
And do you know what D.L. Moody did? He gave his heart to Jesus Christ. The next Sunday he came to church, ended up in that Sunday school class, went on to be one of the greatest preachers of our, of our day. And I'm telling somebody here today, isn't that amazing? That Sunday school teacher probably sat in that room on many a Sundays and thought, why didn't anybody show up today? Why didn't anybody come today? I studied. I've been trying, man. I can't get nobody. But that day D.L. Moody walked in. Not only would it change that church, it would literally change the world because one one man had destiny, not D.L. Moody, but I'm talking about a Sunday school teacher that had an appointment with destiny, and that's why he was here. God has you here for a purpose. Being thrown into a pit, even cast into a prison, didn't change the fact that Joseph was destined to live in the palace and to be the second in control and to help govern Egypt. I preached it before. God may take you from the pit to the prison to the palace, but God is going to get you there. Days of darkness and depression, it may cloud sometime our view of destiny. I know it does, but you hold on to it. You fight for it. You fight through struggles. Eventually, you are going to collide with the destined appointment that God ordained for you long ago. I tell our kids all the time, but when we do the baby dedications, I read the scripture that God said before you were even in your mother's womb. I knew who you were before you were in your mother's room. I had already destined you to be a prophet to the nations. And I'm telling somebody today that before you were even born, God knew exactly what you were here for. And there's some of you right now, you know it. You're living out your destiny right now. There's some of you. You're understanding why God sent you, why you're doing what you're doing. Don't ever give up on your destiny. God's got something for you to do that will change the world. You may be discouraged, but you are destined. You may get tired and weary, but you are destined for all you know. You may just be one prayer away, I'm telling you, from your divine purpose. You may be one hallelujah away from God changing it. Listen, don't forget it. Joseph, God has not forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you in the pit. He has not forgotten you in the prison. You are coming out of the pit. You are coming out of the prison. You are about to save a nation. All because destiny is written on your life if you will simply endure. Somebody say five. Remember that delays are not denials. Remember that delays are not denials. I heard a man many, many years ago that said God always answers prayer. To which people thought, there's no way God always answers prayer. But he didn't stop there. He said sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. He said, but most of the time God says just wait. The reason we say God doesn't answer prayer is because God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want our prayer to be answered. Because when I'm praying, there's only three letters I want to hear, honey. I need a, a big fat yes. Approve what I need, Jesus. But sometimes God says, wait. Because he who endures to the end is the one 
that's going to be saved. So, so, oh, Jesus, help pastor today. How hard it must have been when Mary and Martha are standing there and their brother is sick. They're by the bed. Lazarus is about to die. And they send word to Jesus and say, Jesus, you need to hurry up and get here. Your friend whom you love, and Jesus did love him. It's the only place the Bible said Jesus wept. He literally cried at the death of Lazarus. That's how close he was to him. But they said, Jesus, you've got to hurry up and you've got to get here. If you don't get here, our brother is going to die. But he came four days late. You know the story, you Bible readers in the house today. He came four days late. When he gets there, where's Lazarus? He's in his tomb already. They have wrapped him up in grave clothes. And Jesus says, take me to see Lazarus. I said, Father, we're sorry, but he's dead. Rabbi, he's dead. And by now he stinks. And Jesus says, roll the stone from the door. You know the story. And he says those words, Lazarus, come forth. See, what Jesus wanted them to understand is that the great miracle, see, he could have healed him. But the greater miracle was not healing him. The greater miracle was not healing his sick body. The greater miracle was resurrecting his dead body. So that Jesus might be glorified, he's saying to them, it is not a denial because I came late. It is not a denial because your answer to prayer didn't come four days ago. Oh, Jesus, help me. Delays are not denials. You just keep persevering, keep moving forward. You just keep enduring. Jesus delayed it so that he could be glorified. It delivered a stronger message, a powerful almighty God. I mean, there's question, right? I mean, do you want what is good or do you want what is better in your life? See, there's some of us that will settle for good when God is saying, if you'll just wait, I'm going to give you better. If you'll just wait, I'm going to give you better. God may be saying to us through our waiting hours, do you want what is better or do you want what is best? He may be actually saying to some of us that are waiting to hear from him what the Bible said. Do you want what is best or do you want what is exceedingly abundantly above? For in Ephesians 3.20 to the person that wait, he said now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could even ask or think according to the power of the Holy Spirit that is working inside of us. I'm telling somebody today maybe you're waiting but don't worry because a greater miracle is on the way. God is not denying you. You just hold on a little longer. Don't give up yet. Point number six. Don't break down before you break and I got a sermon I could preach on this. Are you going to break down or break through? But I'm not here to preach all of it. Too many have shut down prior to victory. And I want somebody to know something. To those that wait, I want to tell you this really quick. I, I use this phrase sometimes. I'm telling you, God is saying to us today, the best is yet to come. You've heard that statement. I just want to declare that to you. I believe that's what God is saying. The best is yet to come to those that will wait. Too many people have shut down prior to victory. The story, as I close, that has always amazed me is this. 
the story of Elijah. He is a powerful prophet of God. He is on Mount Carmel with Baal's prophets. He is literally calling fire down from heaven. Thank God that some of y'all don't have that gift. You'd be zapping people everywhere. <laughs> he is calling fire down from heaven. He proves to them that God, like I read to you, there is no one like our God. There is no God like me. God showed them that that day on Mount Carmel. He felt so anointed. See, there's things that happen to you when you feel like, boy, when you get emotional and, and even get a little bit of anointing, you feel like you could charge all of hell with a water gun. I mean, I'm telling you, it happens sometimes. Elijah is in a moment that he feels that way. So under an anointing, maybe half mad, half anointed state, he said, bring all the prophets of Baal to me. They bring him up. He grabs a sword, chip, cuts their heads off. Bam, dead. Right? 450 prophets. Calls fire down from heaven. You talk about a man of God with some backbone. This is the guy. But it has always amazed me how he broke down. When a lady, one lady named Jezebel, mind you, she was a mean old woman. That's right, husbands, meaner than your wife could ever be. This was a mean woman. And she said, by this time tomorrow, may the gods do to me what you did to my prophets. If by this time tomorrow you are not dead, I'm coming after you, Elijah. The man, you know what I would have done? I'd have called fire down and burnt her tail up. <laughs> you done. Psst. I mean, this man's an old, why can't he just point fingers to firefall? And God do it. God show yet another miracle. But instead of doing that, this man broke down. He had a breakdown, almost a mental breakdown. And he takes off running and he hides under a juniper tree. That's like this tree that's kind of like one of those, what they call them, weeping willow looking tree. He gets underneath that thing, cuddles up, rocking himself, and says, Lord, just let me die. I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world's wrong with you, man? You just called fire down from heaven, and now you're bundled up like a little baby crying. Now, I'm going to step on our toes for just a couple minutes. We tend to over-exaggerate problems. We're dramatic. Of course, I'm not dramatic, but y'all are dramatic. <laughs> A.K.A. It means you are a little drama queen. Not a drag queen, a drama queen. And sometimes we over-exaggerate our problems. Nothing is usually as bad as it as we act like it is. But we tend to let our emotion respond rather than with a cool, calm, collected spirit. At times, the stress, the tension, and all of these things have led us under a juniper tree of depression and despair. But I want to remind you of Psalm 34. When David was depressed too, this is what God told him. He said, write down, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. There's nothing you'll go through that the hand of God can't help you break through. Breakthrough is promised to the faithful man and the faithful woman, the one that simply endures. 
Come on to the piano, Sandra. And they put their trust in Christ who secures them. Elijah didn't know it yet, but his personal breakthrough was about to happen in a way he had never known before. It was going to be a still, small voice. And that still, small voice, that breakthrough, would take him on the other victories that he had never known before. The Bible said that when the still, small voice came, much like me, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? You're a man of God. And you letting some woman run you off to a juniper tree, letting her run you off to a cave, what you doing breaking down when you serve the God of the breakthrough? What's wrong with you? Sometimes the spirit, listen, Dan, let me tell you something. God don't have to holler at me. All God has to do is whisper to me. And when he does, he can send me to my knees. And that's what God did with Elijah. When he spoke to him, he was under so much conviction. The man of God jumped out of that cave and said, God, forgive me. I've got to get back out there and get the word. They ain't no woman, no Jezebel going to stop me. There's no demon in hell going to stop me. you got to go. He's going to go. There's a widow that needs oil. And guess what? God's going to fill them and keep filling them and keep filling them. Flowers going to keep filling and keep filling. All because a man of God obeys. And then Elijah's going to go and he's going to pass a mantle on to a boy named Elisha. And then chariots of fire are going to come down and carry him up to heaven. And what we believe will be one of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, Elijah being one of them. Thank God he finally had a breakthrough. What does breakthrough hold in store for you? Does it hold revival in your church? No matter how bad this world gets. No matter how bad stats may get. And no matter what stats they may take in the Pew Research and Lifeway studies. I declare to us that we will break through. For those that endure to the end, we shall be saved. For those that endure to the end, we shall be blessed. And I declare over us, we're not going to barely make it. We're going to break record after record after record. The hand of God's going to be on us. The hand of God's going to be all around us. From the pulpit to the back door. Because the favor of God is on this church. Does it mean restoration for your family? Oh, Satan wouldn't like that. But that's what breakthrough is going to do for you. A fresh anointing. Your place of destiny. Let's stand. I'm closing. So uh, along the roads of life, God has strategically placed wells of refreshing, refreshing along the way. Those wells come as frequently as we need them. It is God's way of ensuring us, if you'll just endure I'll give you the blessing that you need. If you'll just endure, I'll give you the money you need. I'll give you the water you need. I'll give you the food you need. I'll give you the supplies you need. I'll give you the staff you need. I will give you whatever you need to succeed. Watch this, watch this. Don't miss the wells you need them. 
Don't miss that encouraging word that God sends from a friend to help you break through. You're going to need them. Don't miss the sermon, the word from the Lord that the preacher preaches one Sunday. You're going to need it. I'm reminded of the song we used to sing years ago. And it said, just hold on a little longer because help is on the way. Hold on a little longer. This is simply just six strategies for end time endurance. Because I'm telling you, I think the reason people give up is because when we look around this world, it is so discouraging. It is tiring, is it not? It is tiring. When sin is pushed down our throat and we feel that if we don't accept it now, we hate people because we won't accept it. That's the world that we live in. We're called extremists when we voice our opinions about things that are hot topics. And we should leave that alone. We're called political and we should stay out of that. It's tiring, folks. It's tiring. But God has given us some strategies that we don't give out. We are going to hold on. Put my verse up there one more time. My little man, Javen, I think you're running today, Javen. Put Matthew 24, 13. That first scripture you put up. Because I want to leave this with this church today. And I want to remind you that when you're watching things and you get just absolutely irritated in your spirit. And when you get angry with life. And you think to yourself next Saturday, I'm not going to church Sunday. It ain't going to make a difference anyhow. Or you're in Walmart and the Holy Spirit says you need to tell that person about Jesus. And you say, oh, I won't make a difference. I, 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 I want you to remember. But he or she who endures to the end, the same shall be said. I am not telling you, genies, you're not going to get discouraged. I'm not telling you that you're not going to get tired. But I am telling you that if you've got to be like that little turtle and you just keep on moving, I don't care if you're moving like this right here. As long as you're moving forward, that's all I need to see. Don't give up, child of God. Don't quit. This thing's about over. Jesus Christ is going to ride again like we said last Sunday. It's going to be over after a little while endure unto the end I'm closing Father whew, I thank you Jesus you are our God I'm asking you to encourage everybody in this house today if they came into this house with a burden if some of them came into this house thinking about quitting on stuff, I don't know if it's a job, if it's a marriage, I don't know if, it's, if, the, if it has to do with their relationship with you, but if they came in today with the mindset, I'm just, I'm about ready to quit this thing. I rebuke that spirit in the powerful name of Jesus right now. Because they have been made for destiny. They have been made to break through, and Satan knows that. And he wants to stop that. And he wants to hinder what you're going to do in their life. Father, I declare over them today, they are not going to quit. They are not going to give up. 
they are going to receive strength from you right here today. And they're going to go on and do a great thing for Jesus. My altar, the altars are open today. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That's who you are, Jesus. You're my way maker. Stop. 
to make. First off, Local Missions Project, Rebuild Upstate Missions Project. Um, Seth Monroe is going to be meeting with you. If you want to walk through these doors, go straight down. You can't miss it. You're going to walk into that room. It's the choir room. Seth is going to be meeting in there today to talk about that, as well as another need that we have in the church that we're wanting to help get accomplished. So immediately following service, Seth's going to be there. Uh, also, Gap Widows Meeting will be this week. Tuesday, April 18th, lunch provided. Rita Duncan, speaker, games and prizes, fun and fellowship. Family Day, April 30th, children will be worshiping and singing with us. Also, a mother and daughter brunch on May 6th at 10.30 a.m. You need to sign up. So as you walk out today on your right-hand side, there's a sign-up sheet, also a little, little uh, flyer or pamphlet or whatever you call that right there to give you all the information you need. It's going to be good. I know there's something to do with Cracker Barrel biscuits or something. I don't know. But it sounds good, right? All right. David Monroe, I'm glad to see you. I still give God glory. David had a stroke, and God brought him out. We give God praise for that again. Any word on Benny? He goes tomorrow for results. All right, let's pray for Benny Morton. He's going for results about some spots on the lung that we're praying over that need we've been praying for the past couple weeks so remember that elaine belcher ada's daughter had surgery came through great so we give god glory for that today <laughs> continue prayers for the greeno family david passed away that's leslie's brother uh, this past week and so we're still praying for this family as well don't you know we have a god that answers prayer he can do it and so we praise him for that so good to see everybody. I'm glad that some people know Jesus is still alive. And you came back the week after Easter. Thank you. God bless you guys.